0: The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Zach Wilson and the New York Jets. This hour, we'll turn our attention to a little broader scope of the National Football League. And I know he's got one eye on me and one eye on the TV. He is Jay Bromley, the former Giant, who joins us to talk NFL and talk about his team who are trying to uh, get Minnesota off the field and turn around and get some points and get to the postseason. Jay Bromley, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year, my friend. Good to have you with us today.
2: Hey Larry, how you doing, man? Happy holidays. Thank you for having me. And you're hundred percent right. I'm definitely checking out this Giants game. <laughs> and it's and it's it's a, it's in for a heck of a finish. Okay. Look like we might be going to overtime. Hopefully Minnesota doesn't pull nothing off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hear you, Jay. Jay, give me your thoughts now looking at this giant team and, and understanding from having been in the locker room what it takes when you when you have a new regime coming in and you don't have a lot of talent, you're you're rebuilding, but you're able to have success right away. What does that feel like to the players in the locker room?
2: It's rejuvenating, you know? It's just an opportunity for you to, you know, really just come together around, you know, uniqueness and the qualities that everybody, you know, that the the coaching staff is building, right? So when you have success, man, that kind of like winning solves everything, right? Losing makes everything worse. So when you have that camaraderie with the teammates, you now you're a little more smiles, a little more happy, right? You can skate by a little bit more things, mistakes that you're making. But um, that's definitely how it feels.
1: Jay, how, we talk about it a lot, but just stress to the audience, for you as a player, how important coaching is. And I'm not going to name names, but I'm looking at Brian Dayball and his staff And the team just looks like a better coach team. It jumps right off the page at you. How important is coaching to you, the player, uh, in the National Football League?
2: Coaching is very important. Coaching, a lot of times, is, um, you know, a lot of guys have a lot of fundamental things that they do well, right? They have a lot of talent and ability, that, that, you know, the coach didn't coach, right? They were born with that, their instincts. The coach is really starting, really wants to help them build their fundamentals and really help them understand how they fit into this plan. Um, and more so, man, how does a coach help a player when they're not doing well, right? When they're not seeing the game they, they should, the way they should be seeing it and when they are doing well, how do they keep their eyes on the main goal, which is obviously a championship, playoffs, right, bigger picture? So, Man, I think, um, you know, that old saying, you know, the team takes on the personality of the coach, Mm -hmm. that rings forth, man. You've seen a lot of that in the defense, um, how they're performing, how they're gelling, um, and even in um, Daniel, you know, how he's Mm -hmm. playing, right? And um, a lot of what you saw in Buffalo with their quarterback situation, you are seeing some of that, that duality of running and passing the ball and that toughness that you're seeing, you know, play through the screen. So I think that that rings true, man. You bring that mentality. They were just talking about you wanted to win with guys that weren't afraid of losing, right? You wanted to mm-hmm. win with guys that weren't afraid of losing. So that is a mentality to really look at losses and failures as opportunity.
1: Jay, how much fun would it be for you to play in a Wink Martindale defense? It looks like Maybe – I know you're a lineman, so I don't know. Maybe it's more fun if you're in the secondary because you get a chance to blitz and do some things. But just looking at his defense and, you know, uh, being around some other coordinators that you had to play under when you were playing in the league, how much fun do you think it would be to play under his defense? And what are some of the things that he likes to do that jumps out at you? Oh, it
2: will be awesome to play in his defense. Um, It's just an opportunity. Look, I I think b Lott is as fun as anything, Okay. Um, the opportunity to line up in different places, um, seeing what, you know, big, big deck he's doing out there. Leonard mm-hmm. Williams, obviously, you know, with, with, with Thibodeau's doing out there. It's really, he, he's putting people in opportunities to get one-on-one opportunities, running games, right, to confuse offensive lines. Um, obviously mixing up with the coverages and blitzing, you know, a lot, right? So, mm-hmm. so knowing that they're going to blitz almost 50% of the time, right, that creates a lot of one-on-one opportunities. And, and what I learned in my time in the league was, when I stopped looking at what I was doing only solely when I was looking at my plays, my game started to develop, and your game starts to elevate after you start to understand what the defense is doing. Because once you do that, now you know where you can um, you can elevate, and where you can get the most opportunity. Like I know I'm gonna get a one on one in this situation. I know the linebacker is coming. All that does is, is create one on one. Now, and you know the quarterback is getting the ball out fast, so now you got to win. Now, you develop your moves, your skill sets. So, I think it would be fantastic to play in it. I mean, I played with Steve Spagnola, mm. uh, almost nobody blitz as much as Steve Spagnola. Okay, so so I understand <laughs> what it's like to play with a, a, a coach that understands hey, man, anybody can beat you if you give them time, so you're not going to give them time,
1: yeah. 61-yard field goal for the Minnesota Vikings. Giants lose by the score of 27-24. It's the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN Chatty with Jay Bromley, the former NFL lineman, one of his teams, the New York Giants. We're getting his thoughts here. Uh, Jay, after a loss like this, where you, you're up and down the field, you're battling, you're right in there, for a moment, when you first walk in the, in the locker room, walking off the field, what's your mindset? How frustrated are you? How long does it take to get over a loss like this?
2: Uh, you're upset. Um, obviously, you look back at all the things you could have done better. Obviously, um, you know, the catches that could have been made, the defensive stops that could have happened, the miscommunications. Um, those are the first things on your mind. But, you know, when you, when you get a chance, those are all the emotions of the moment. But, you know, when you when you get a chance to look back at it, you get to look at the team you're playing against. They're playing against the you know, top 3 teams. you know, in the NFL right now.
3: You're
2: playing This team just came back from 30 down last week mm-hmm. to win a game. Right? So, like, and they lose by on a field goal, to, you know, with the seconds running off the clock. There's no moral victories, but there are things to learn. Like, kind of like we just talked about. Like, you learn a lot more from losses than you do wins. So, so this right here is going to highlight all the areas, whether it be the drop, just communication. Daniel Jones going out there, actually really playing a really solid game. Right? Like, mm-hmm. it lets you lock in all the things to really go forward and really just you, – you took the destiny out of your own hands, maybe. So, that sucks right, when you look at the grand scheme of things. But you just got to get ready to – you got at least one more and you want to go out there and play well and and get a win.
1: Jay, from your view as a D-lineman, when you look at a struggling quarterback, and we've talked a lot about Zach Wilson, and I know you watch because you watch the NFL, all the games and stuff. When you look at a young quarterback like that and see him struggling, what what do you as a defensive lineman see? How do you prepare? What is your mindset when you face a young quarterback like that?
2: Um, that's a guy that lacks confidence, right? So uh, a, a guy that lacks confidence is always going to be second guessing his decision making. And quarterback position is about decision making. It's about making the right. Everybody can make the throws. I'm sure his talent level hasn't decreased, but his decision making has been poor. So um, when you're going against a guy like that, our our goal is, hey man, we know we got him. Once we hit him yeah. once or twice once we once we put the, the the guards on his lap right now it's more so about making sure that we corral him so that he doesn't scramble all the all the freaking time so that we don't look stupid okay cuz guess what if we make him throw it he's going to throw it to us <laughs> you know what i'm saying so so long, so either way we're going to win we just got to we just got to make sure we make it his job hard on him meaning closing um the windows for his throwing lane keeping hands up in his face doing little things to make him always feel like somebody's on his toes and around him all those things that, that, you know, make him make him even more uncomfortable, right? So that's the focus yeah. with a young quarterback like that. His confidence is already shaking. So once he throws one pick, now you start whispering in his ear, hey, man, that's a good one. You're playing for us. You know? So, <laughs> so it's, that's how you get in people's heads.
1: I hear you, Jay. Jay, let's talk about a couple of other games that we're going to have today. I'm curious to get your thoughts. Obviously, the game that's coming up in a couple of minutes is Philadelphia at Dallas. Dallas coming off a loss that I I just can't believe they lost that game. They had a huge lead and they come back and they end up losing. Uh, Dak Prescott has not played well. He's turned the ball over a lot. You would think, and but Philadelphia, who's been phenomenal this year, clearly the class of the NFC. Okay, quarterback's not in there this week. Jalen Hurts is out. Uh, Gardner Minshew is in. You're, give, take me on both sides of the ball. What are you looking for uh, in this game today? Give me, give me what you're looking for from Philadelphia and what you're looking for from Dallas.
2: From Philly, um, I believe um, Minju he, he, was a, he was a sensation in Jacksonville for a while, right? The guy can play. Every opportunity he's had to play, he can play. He's proven that. And I don't expect him to desperately back down from that challenge and, and that opportunity. Um, Philly has had the luck of the draw with backup quarterbacks. <laughs> so yeah, really? so uh, maybe, maybe that, maybe that continues, right? Obviously, you know, replacing Jalen Hurts is, is a handful, and I don't think that's what's going to happen, but I definitely think that he'll be able to, um, you know, guard the ship, especially with the way that defense plays, the way they run the ball. And he kind of has a system that's going to help him out a lot. Um, uh, as far as the old team, uh, I think Dallas, man, Dallas, to get back on track, man. You know, Dak Prescott wants to prove the doubters wrong that he's worth his his very large salary, right? That he's not just a system quarterback that profits from a good running game and offensive line and defense, right? He wants to prove that, hey, man, you can put the team on my shoulders and I can go win games in the fourth quarter. So I think that confidence that he's been he's built over the years and from being you know third or fourth round draft pick and and really having you know not the luck of the draw with some of these close games and playoffs, he wants to build on that. So, I think that, that that's what it comes down to. Quarterback play is paramount. Um, and if Dak goes out there and gets the ball, he has every receiver that you could want. You know what I'm saying? He has the running backs that you would want. There's really no reason for them not to produce on offense. And they have a really good defense. So, it's, it's, really, it's really up in the air. I think Dallas should take this game and take the opportunity to not have an MVP playing against them.
1: Yeah, they they should. Now, let me ask you from the defensive side of the ball. What what changed from Jalen Hurts? Is it just coaching? Is it confidence? Is it hard work? Is it is it D all the above? What what do you see? What's the biggest difference you notice in Jalen Hurts game from last from just last year to this year?
2: I think um I think when you watch how he plays obviously like I talked about confidence, the confidence that the Jets quarterback doesn't have and the confidence that Jalen Hurts has because of one, he knows who he is, man. I'm a Heisman winner. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know what it's like to be humbled, right? He went to Alabama and was humbled. He was benched in the fourth quarter for tour, right? So mm-hmm. he knows what it's like to go through some of those things, right? So that like that stuff builds character. I don't care who he's talking to. Mm-hmm. And with all that being said, man, now his first year, the team wasn't built around him. The team right. wasn't built. The offense wasn't built for him to succeed. Now you're getting an opportunity and a chance where it's all about him succeeding. It's all about the RPOs and the different things that are about him succeeding. And I think when you have all that, he's going to excel. And that's what we've seen these past, you know, this year.
1: He is, it, it's just been, I mean, he's, look, it's, that's why we talked about coaching earlier, Jay, because obviously the talent was there, but it just seems like everything comes together. And I think we, we look at, players overall, but we focus on quarterbacks a lot, but players overall, Jay, and everybody is not the same, so it it takes time, it may take more time for certain guys to get level, to reach their potential, to gain their confidence where they can perform in the National Football League. I mean, you know that you've had guys on your team that that came out, they were all world out of college and they struggle early. Then you have some guys who were walk-ons or were late draft picks and they come out and they make an immediate impact. It, it's it's coaching. It's a mindset of the players. It's a lot of different things that go into what makes a player great.
2: Yeah, there's no like it's like a milkshake, man. There's so many <laughs> different attributes to it. Um, and and the truth is, man, sometimes time is one of those things that we don't always have the benefit of. Uh, I think Ra- Robert salas spoke to it. Like we all want everything microwaved and ready to go, but and nobody wants that 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 grandmother Sunday Sunday dinner. Um, you know, approach to how they go about success, right, that, that marinating it overnight, taking his time, letting everything seep in. Um, nobody looks at it like that, right? When some people, I'm, I'm sure, when a person is drafted in the first round, their talent level is first round, but maybe mm. their mentality might not be where it needs to be. Maybe their, their consistency might not be where it needs to be. Maybe they need to learn from someone that has done it in that way. Um, all these different things that sometimes take time. Look at Geno Smith. Yeah. Geno Smith, I played with Geno with the Giants, and and, and and um um, and our head coach got fired for benching Eli for Geno <laughs> Smith for one game. Mm-hmm. So so, but now you look all these years later, back up, back up, back up, that back up, he gets the chance to start, and he's a Pro Bowler.
1: Yeah, you right.
2: So so, it, it sometimes it just takes time, but the, the world we live in, that's the one thing you don't have.
1: A couple more for you, Jay. Uh, talking about a couple of games tomorrow. Give me your thoughts. I'll, I'll start with this one, but there's other two that I want to go with. Denver and Los Angeles. Now, you know, not a big game. They're just both teams are playing out the string, but you played against Russell Wilson. Jay, when you look at him this season, what changed? What happened to him? He's not the same quarterback.
2: I think that's an interesting question, too, um, because of the drastic way that he changed right the draft like he came into a relatively solid team like the defense is playing really well um have some solid receivers right uh obviously offensive line could be better whatever the case may be but he didn't come into a situation where it was like he was the number one overall pick on the worst team in the league right mm-hmm. so so he had to. so it seemed like it was really on him right? Mm -hmm. Like, decision-making. Like, his decision-making just wasn't there. Like I said, quarterback is about decision-making. Everybody can make the throws at this level, for the most part. Some more than others, but everybody can get it where it needs to go. So, I think that what happened with him was, man, I I think he just lost confidence. Like, I think them first few games really killed... Like, confidence is everything, especially at the highest level. Because if you don't have confidence, man, you will be drastically... You will fall down fast. Because you won't have what it takes to, to get your mind back into believing believe that you can make those throws again, that you can do what you did before, that he can be Russell Wilson that, that can run for, you know, 70, 80 yards in the game and then go for 350. His confidence has to be there to believe in himself. And I don't think that was there. And hopefully next year he comes back and he, get, he regains that danger rust that we really know.
1: Mm-hmm. Speaking of coming back next year, what do you think? Does uh, Tom Brady come back? Does it depend on how Tampa finishes this season? What do you think? Um,
2: I think, uh, shoot, uh, that's an interesting one. Uh, before it was like, man, it, it, he had a home calling him. So maybe he was gonna, you know, try to go home, uh-huh. you know, and, and just rest his hat. But if that's not the case, if, if, if this was the reason, you know, he, he came back to play football, I don't see a reason why he would stop, especially mm-hmm. if this is his main obsession.
1: Yeah, you're right about that. It's interesting. It's, listen, he's come this far. He might as well keep playing. <laughs>
2: might as well keep playing. Yeah, going. might as well go go ahead and keep breaking them records. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: right. As long as they're winning. See, that that's gonna be interesting whether Tampa brings him back or whether he ends up moving on to someplace else. You know, uh that that would be interesting. Like like for example, Jay, uh he leaves Tampa to go to Green Bay because Aaron Rodgers leave Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay to go to let's say Frisco or something like that. Because you know, where he's going, he's not going where they're building. He's going where they got a chance to win.
2: Oh, it makes but it makes nothing but sense, man. He's you know he he's he's like a granddad out there at this point, man. <laughs> he needs to go where that house is furnished. All right, he, he ain't going nowhere. He he's not going anywhere. Where he got to do any demolition, man. This house got to be furnished, got to be turnkey, ready to go, and, and we can win now with me taking some good decisions.
1: Jay, great stuff as always, my friend. Enjoy the holiday with you and your family. We'll talk to you down the line.
2: Thank you, Larry. It's always a pleasure.
1: I appreciate you. 1-800-919-3776. That was Jay Bromley. We'll talk to you next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: <laughs> Nuno Tassara was tweeting. I saw him. Uh, tweeting about, uh, you know, the Giants game. Was a producer here for a long time. Now he's uh, handling, you know, Greeny, you know, Monday through Friday, 10 to noon, here on ESPN Yeah, he's handling the Mike Greenberg show, Greeny. Uh, unhappy with some calls. But when it's late like that, officials put their hands in their pockets. They don't always wave those yellow hankies. You could have ye- yellow hankies loitering the field for 57 minutes of a game. The last three minutes, you it's hard for you. For most, most crews, it's hard for you to even buy one. A penalty. But that, that's a tough loss. And for them to, they you know, Minnesota marches down the field, gets in field goal range, 61-yarder, indoors. That's the way the Giants lose. But once again, they played well. They were in it. They were in it. So now they're 8-6-1, and, and they still have a shot. They still have a shot. They got, probably have to win their next two, but they're in good shape. They still have a chance to win, um, win, it, win out and get into the playoffs, which would be an amazing accomplishment for this team. I'm just telling you. And as I've said before, just, just checking out, just checking how they are doing this with the talent they have. And receivers going above and beyond, trying to make great plays, but on occasion you see the inexperience, right? You see the ball not bringing it in, and the ball being punched out. This is what, and they'll learn. These receivers will get better. They'll be they'll be deeper receiver, because these players will get better. They'll understand you got to take control. You got to cover the football up as soon as you get it. You have to protect it. And a couple of incompletions that they had to turn the football over back to Minnesota. If they're able to continue to drive even if they get another field goal or whatever, they have an opportunity to win that game. So that's that's what Jay was talking about when he says you learn more from losing than winning because what you learn from losing is this is what I need to do to improve. This is what I have to do. This is what I didn't do here. Whereas when you win, okay, you, you, you don't focus as much. Hey, we got the win. Well, I should have done that, but listen, hey, the bottom line is we got the win, so we're good. When you lose, you focus in on those things that you really, really messed up on. So that's what you hope that the Giants receivers will learn as they go forward. So it's a tough loss for the Giants, but they continue to have a shot at the postseason. Hey, football fans, it's not too late to sign up for Cover 5. It's a free-to-play pick-em-for-season-long fun and compete against your friends, your rivals, and your favorite ninety-eight-seven ESPN hosts. Here's what you do. You pick five games each week, and the best score against the spread wins $100. Join the 98.7 ESPN League. with call NY22 on the Cover 5 app and Cover5.com. Visit ESPNNewYork.com for full contest rules. I heard, uh, I was in the car, I heard Gordon Damer, Gordon, that he and Don LaGreca are neck and neck as the top uh, pickers in Cover 5. Where's Larry at? That tells you all you need to know. We'll continue the conversation next on the 98.7. Next, Steve Popper from Newsday will join us, and we'll delve into what's been the change over this Nick team over the past uh, couple of weeks. Right now, we continue to talk a little football with you at 1-800-919-3776. Richardson, Manhattan. What's up, Richard?
3: Larry, before I get to my giant point, you see what LeBron James is doing. We had 34 again tonight, last night. I I mean, the Lakers would be in the Pacific Ocean if he wasn't (laughs) on that team. It's unbelievable how this guy is still performing at that level, at that age. He hasn't lost anything. Nope. He is is unbelievable to watch. At his age, the conditioning, his fortitude, the focus he has, the team is lousy. Guys around him don't play. And uh, he's just an amazing player. I don't know how anyone can ever take anything away from this guy. And he's still going strong. This is basketball. This isn't any other sport where you can't perform and you don't know athleticism is involved. He's still doing it. To me, it's unbelievable what he's doing. As far as the Giant game, Larry, today, one of the greatest games I've ever seen. I couldn't believe it. But they got cheated on that interception. That kid had the ball. There was no way on the replay there was conclusive proof that the ball hit the ground. That should have been giant ball. That defense was so tough. They were hitting everything in sight. It yes. was a shame. A sh- And without Saquon, the Giants would be nowhere. They have no yeah. weapons. No yeah. weapons for Jones. I think Jones should be able to take off once in a while. He, he forced does. a couple of... You know, Larry, he forced it, that interception. If he would have just took it straight up the middle, he yeah. would have had the first down. Yep. He forced yep. it in, in two uh, two uh, defenders there. I mean, he played a good game, but it was a great game, great game. It I was. just it don't think the Gi- got, Giants got treated fairly, Larry. But boy, I tell you, I never was engaged like that for a game start to. F- I couldn't believe it. It was a great game, Larry. Always a pleasure. All right, Larry. Lord,
1: thank you, Richard. Thanks for checking in. Yeah, it was a really good game. It was, and that's what makes it see that. That's what makes it so tough to lose. But it's those things, it's those turnovers. That's why we c- continue to harp on that turnovers and turnovers because they make a difference. That that game came down to turnovers, okay, and missed plays, and two really good defenses. And I heard Gordon talking about it earlier. And we look at Minnesota, we look at Kirk Cousins and he's, you know, we have this narrative about him is that, you know, he doesn't come up big in the big spots and he can throw you in the game and throw you out of game and all the, all the reputation that he's had throughout his career. And he's been inconsistent. There's no doubt about it. What, what people are saying is not being unfair. It's, it's truthful. He has, he's been inconsistent and has not come up big in big spots. And that's how you, listen, that's how you're judged. When you when you're talked about as one of the tops in your in your position in your sport it's not only how you do during the season it's how you perform when it's winning time and how you perform when the light shines brightest and he's had some troubles when the light has shined bright and this is a what 12 and three now team and they don't they don't blow you away they're not a team that just steamrolls you they're they're a team that keeps you in games <laughs> right they keep you in games and they and, and they find a way to win late that's why this game i was talking about the cover five app a little bit ago that's why this game was so tough to, to pick and, and you know if, you, if you're thinking about it you want to stay away from a game like this because both teams are the same both teams are one score teams both teams the defense keeps them in games. And then they find a way to win late. That's what both teams do. That's how they've been successful. So when you're looking at a game like this, you understand that, hey, Minnesota's good. Their defense is very good. The Giant defense is very good. And they're scheme-oriented. Wink Martindale does a fantastic job in making adjustments and schemes and different packages and you know, doing doing going into this into the lab and coming up with different different things to do to try to throw your quarterbacks off, and they went through a stretch where. I mean, Cousins was had nowhere to throw, and wasn't moving anywhere. He was just standing there like, "You should move, <laughs> if you, unless you're going to get hit. You should move," and he got sacked a couple of times. But once again, they were able to find a way to move the ball down the field. And listen. The kid Jefferson is an unbelievable receiver. Okay, he's an unbelievable receiver on what he's able to bring to the table. And I mean, he is, he's great. And so when you have a player like that that stretches the field for you, and they have two pretty good tight ends that make plays, they have a decent running game, and you've got an experienced quarterback. And I don't know how Joe feels about this, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna repeat what many Jet fans have said to me. Oh, Dak Prescott interception! He just—he was trying to throw it over the defender, threw it right in his hands. Oh, it's unbelievable! As Philly extends their lead, Josh Sweat threw it right in his hands, trying to throw it over him. He reached out and took it right out, of, right out of the air. It's amazing. So Philly leads to nine nothing with the extra point pending, and so I, I mean, remember. They, the Jets were ready to offer Kirk Cousins a boatload of money to come play quarterback for them. Boatload of money. And um, turned it down.
4: Joe, are you happy about that? I am because, I mean, I didn't want him. I, I told Anita this during the game last week. I said, you know, thank God the Jets didn't sign Kirk Cousins all those years ago because – Indy was up 30 to nothing on him, and Kirk looked like he couldn't move the ball. Now, I mean, I, it still wouldn't have been – it would have been bad. Especially with Gase as the, the head coach, it would have been a dumpster fire. It really would have.
1: Would have been. I agree with you. And many Jets fans have said it. I'm, thank God we didn't take Kirk Cousins <laughs> because it would have been a problem.
4: But what is this dumpster fire better than the one that you know could have been with Kirk Cousins? That's a great question, but I still think we're in a similar position now with, with Cousins or without him.
1: Yeah, but at least now you're you're not giving you're not paying a whole lot of money for the quarter, for lack of play at the quarterback position. That's you true. You got a young quarterback at the rookie at the rookie salary. You can t- cut bait with him at any time. It's not going to cost you a whole lot of money, and you can move on. You know, whereas with Cousins, you would have paid all this money. And would you have made the playoffs? Would you not have made the playoffs? I don't know. Now, see, this year with the – with the, and once again, maybe you would have been just good enough where you don't have the opportunity to draft the players that you've gotten. So you probably wouldn't be in the position you're in now anyway.
4: Oh, no, Garrett Wilson is not on this team if Kirk nope. Cousins is the quarterback for next couple the last couple of years.
1: Nope, nope. There's a lot of players you wouldn't have right now. It's because you – because the record wasn't great and it's, it's a shame to say, but that's what it is. That's what it is. So that's why when you have draft choices and you've been, and you've finished poorly, unfortunately the way the jets have finished poorly, that's why you have to hit on a good number of your picks. Nobody hits on all of them. Nobody does not even Belichick. Nobody hits on all their picks. But you have to try to hit on most of your picks. And then if they're borderline, you've got to be able to have a coaching staff to coach them up so that they are at least good enough to work in your system so that they can be uh, at depth to you. Because that's where your depth comes from, right? Your depth on teams in the NFL comes from your, your draft. And then you pick up, you either make trades or you pick up free agents to sprinkle in places where you need to get players to add more time, right? So these these free agents are placeholders for draft choices that, okay, in a couple of years, he's going to be good. So let's get an experienced person there. He can learn from him. And then when that contract is up from the free agent, we got a rookie on the court, a rookie draft player that can just move right into that spot. That's how you like it. That's how it should work ideally. Drew's in Staten Island. What's up, Drew? Hey, how you doing, man? A long time listener, first time caller. How are you? I'm doing great, my friend. Merry Christmas.
2: Merry Christmas, man. Uh, so, I had a great uh, idea about the, the Giants, what they should do with okay. Daniel Jones going forward. I want okay. to get your thoughts on it. So, I think they should sign him to a three year deal, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: We signed a three year deal, put a decent team around him. And then, in that third year, see how everything is going, and then take for Arch Manning when he comes out of Texas. What do you think about that? <laughs>
1: I hear you, Drew. Thanks for the phone call. I, I, I don't... I... See, here's the thing. I think, just judging by what I've seen from the Giants this year, and once again, it's going to depend on how they... It's going to depend on how they pick up from here and what they do and the decisions they make. But based on what I've seen from this regime, uh, they're going to have to trade a lot to try to get him because they're going to be in too good a spot to be able to draft there. So the question is going to be, you know, obviously, they if he is going to perform in college the way he is expected to perform, he's going to be a top prospect, but you're going to have to give up a lot of draft capital because if he's as good as people think he's going to be, nope, whoever the worst team is, they're tanking for Manning. Okay, they're not tanking the trade to trade, to for the trade away from him. They're tanking to keep him. Uh, but signing... Daniel Jones, I, listen, I think the Giants are going to have to sign him anyway. I do. He's earned it. Come on, folks. He's earned it. Vito's in Staten Island. What's up, Vito? Hey, what's going on? How are you? I'm doing Happy great, holidays Vito. Happy for everybody. Same listen, to you and yours. I'm looking at the... I'm, I want
0: to help you out. Listen, I agree with Daniel Jones. You got to sign him. You got to sign him. It was tough loss today. And the Jets... Uh, I, I feel for... Uh, Jet fans and Robert Sala making that decision. You know, uh, do you give up on, uh, uh, you know, Zach? Uh, I want to say you're 100% right. They got to hit 100% on the draft picks. They're They're almost there. Heartbreaking season. They teased us. I thought they were definitely onto something, making a playoff, getting a playoff run. You got to pray for
3: a miracle. What do you think?
1: Well, Vito, you're right. But here's the thing. Uh, New England lost today. So they have eight losses too. So you're still, you're still, you're still breathing. You're still breathing. You're going to have to win the next two. You're going to have to win the next two. No question about it. You can't, you can't finish tied with New England because they beat you twice. They have the tiebreaker. So you have to. You have to be able to win out. So you still have a shot. You're still alive, my friend. You're on life support. We'll continue the conversation next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: To go. Ira is in Staten Island. Ira, happy holidays, my friend. How are you? Happy holidays
0: to you. All the best. And as ridiculous as this sounds, and I know the Jets have to find a way to win a game, and I do believe Mike White starts in Seattle. And the Jets will be a different team because I think Wilson brings them down mentally. The Pats lost today. It's not unrealistic to think that the Pats could lose one more game. They got the Dolphins and the Bills. And if the Dolphins lose to the Packers or lose to the Pats, not that we're going to get in, but we may be playing a meaningful game in Miami the last game of the season.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: Forget the five percent. Throw the five percent out the window. What I just laid out is very realistic.
1: So you want what's your right now? Ira would sign up for a winner take all end of game, end of season game against the Dolphins in January.
0: From your lips to God's ears, <laughs> it, it would it would be unbelievable. And then, what and whether they get in or they don't don't get in. I'm good with that. I mean, considering everything that's gone on, and listen, they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. They just lost four straight two at home. But if you could keep the season alive until week 17 and they're playing for something, I'm happy with that. Even though I know they have to get Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, God, the Mitch, whoever they're going to bring in, and trade Zach Wilson and let him compete with Mike White. I'm still good with that. I, I it Just keep me alive until week 17.
1: Now, Ira, I know you 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 go to training camp, you're an avid Jet fan, I know. I know. I've seen you there over the years. Right. Ira, I said earlier that Zach Wilson, as bad as he's playing, he's not as bad as this. He's not. Now, you've seen him in practice. You've seen him preseason. He's not this bad. Something has gone wrong with him. And you're right. They're going to have to bring a veteran quarterback in here, but I – do you cut bait with him? What If you were the Jets front office, what do you do? Do you just say, forget it, we're done, it was a bad, let's move on? Or What do you do?
0: I move on from him. You know, no disrespect to him. I think he needs to change of scenery. I think the Jets need to move on because he's just, he, he's like, he, he's he's a bad thing in the locker room right now. It's bad for the fan base, bad for the players and the coaches. And what's happened with Zach Wilson, and we, we've discussed this, they tried to take, a guy that needs to play like a CFL, Andy Reid type of game and try to make him a pocket passer. And it didn't work. Listen, he has all the ability in the world. He, listen, his, his head is probably shot. He needs to change his scene. Look at Sam Donald today. You know, look how he managed a game and played Stop well. it, Ira.
1: Don't I'm do it. Say- Don't do it, Ira. No no, I'm
0: not say- no, no, I'm not saying bring But I'm saying Zach Wilson could go somewhere else and mm-hmm. maybe become a backup and hang around. But, you know, a franchise quarterback will never be a franchise quarterback. He's not. The Jets will have a new quarterback next year. Hopefully, it, from, in my books, hopefully it's Derek Carr. Mm-hmm. And hopefully Mike White is a backup. Mm-hmm. But Zach Wilson, you saw in training camp for two summers, he yeah. just kept on regressing. I know Silas said all the right things. Mm-hmm. But on the field, I never walked away from any practice feeling confident that this guy could carry a team on his shoulders.
1: Wow. Have a great holiday, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. Uh that's a heck of a statement. That's a heck of a statement. That you he never felt that this was the guy. And he's not alone. <laughs> I'm taking a bunch of phone calls from a bunch of people who feel the same way. Feel the same way. It's just, it's, it's it just begs the question, why do you roll the dice like that? If you're you gotta be sure. That you can have this guy play the type of scheme you're putting in you're putting him in. You gotta be sure you can't draft that way. You just can't. And look, it's easy to it's easy to look back and have perfect vision, 2020 vision. It's easy. I understand that. I do. It's easy to sit back there and say, Oh my gosh, how could you have made a mistake like that? You know, but you you know, you can't make mistakes like that when you're drafting that high for a quarterback. You can't. You can't be this wrong. Okay, you can be wrong. but you can't be this wrong this quick you can't you can't let me just before we uh turn our attention to basketball at the top of the hour and Steve Popper from Newsday let me just make this comment and let's talk about the Mets and Carlos Correa now last week I was a happy jet uh, happy Met fan Carlos Correa I don't know what happened And, and remember if you're listening And once again, this was Wednesday when Gordon and I filled in for the guys on the K-Show. I said, Gordon asked me, what's the first thing that went through your mind about Correa? And I was like, okay, so why? what did Minnesota see that made them back out the deal or pause about the deal that the Mets seemed to think it's okay? And then it was like, it's the back. We had all the speculation. Well, according to Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic, Correa's physical looks like his surgically repaired right leg is an issue. And they have apprehensions over the integrity of the leg. Now, this is from a story in the Daily News that says uh, Correa suffered a fractured fibula on a hard slide into third base in 2014, which required a plate to be surgically implanted. Now, he hasn't missed time at the major league level with any leg injuries, but folks are now starting to be concerned about the integrity of his leg. And so it looks as though, which is why, which is why these deals are not signed until the the physical is done. So it begs the question, why did Minnesota keep, why did Minnesota sign him? They had the same physical that that everybody else has seen. So why would Minnesota sign him and then offer him a 10-year, $285 million deal to stay? In the Twin Cities, if you have if the Giants who desperately. I mean, come on, desperately needed to sign a free agent, lost out on Aaron Judge. Stop smiling, Jolio. And then you have Correa, you have this opportunity and then he slips through your fingers because you look at this leg situation and you're like, "Okay, do we really want to pay him this amount of money? Are we sure this leg what's going on with this leg? Is it going to hold up for the next ten years, eleven years? Because they offered him a, well, he was a, it was thirteen years, three hundred fifty million dollars. So they're looking at this like, is it, what's this going to look like in thirteen years? What's it going to look like in a couple of years? Is he is this leg structurally sound to be able to take the wear and tear over the next couple of years as he gets older? And is it, is this worth the money? And now the Mets are looking at it, saying, hey, maybe not. So you know that if Frisco, who desperately needed for their fan base to sign a primetime free agent and they had pause and now the Mets are looking at it and they were like swooping right in and now they're looking at it and they have pause, I don't know. You really have to wonder what indeed the Twins are thinking about. And if I'm the Mets right now, I I, I have to get out the deal. If I'm pausing, I don't want it. I'm just saying. Because they could have just went on and said, okay, you know what? Yeah, we see it. We'll roll the dice. We'll take our chances with it. The medical reports that they are getting clearly give them pause about making this deal. And I'll tell you right now, end of statement, as talented a player, as Carlos Correa is, as much as I still believe the Mets needed a bat in their offense to get them to the next level where they need to go, even though they won 101 games last year, there were many times where I thought they were a bat short in their lineup as badly as Carlos Correa would have put them over the top. And in theory, if he's able to give you three years, and you win a World Series or two in the first three, four years, and you would say, okay, that's our goal to win, and if the rest of the, <laughs> what they did 11-year deal, 12-year deal, so if the rest of the time of that contract doesn't work out, we're good because we got our World Championship up front. As much as I would love to have a World Championship, I just can't, I I, I don't think they should make that move. I don't think so. Once again, if the Giants, who were desperate, desperate to sign a big-time free agent and gave him a ton of money and years, not just money, and years, and they paused, if I'm Steve Cohen and my doctors have me thinking about this, Steve, Don't do it. You can't do it. When we return, we'll talk next with Steve Popper of Newsday. Thank you for joining us on Christmas Eve on 98.7 ESPN, New York.